When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're here at American Airlines Arena after the Miami Heat go to 9-3, and three, beating the New Orleans Pelicans 109-94. to 94. We're not going to dwell a whole lot on this game tonight. We'll talk about it some, but we've got another topic for you with three of the members of the Five on the Floor team. want to tell you first, though, that we've got a watch party coming up. That's right. We've got a watch party, and we're on a one-game winning streak. We're actually, last time at GQ's Craft House, where the Heat broke our 11-game losing streak by beating the Milwaukee Bucks in overtime. Now we've got another difficult assignment for them. Going into Houston, we're going to be at the Duffy's in North Miami Beach. That's right, the Duffy's in North Miami Beach. We're going to be there on the 27th of November starting, I believe, at about 7 o'clock, and we'll have great drink specials for you there, some food for you, too, and they, they have a great setup for us out by the pool. They, they basically set up a big projector TV. We had 50 or 60 people there the last time we were there. So that's going to be a really fun time. Again, that's the Duffy's in North Miami Beach. It's not like any other Duffy's you've been to on November 27th. Miami Heat, Houston Rockets. And now, on with today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick here on the Five on the Floor podcast. And here's what we're going to do tonight after the Heat go, to, as I said, to 9-3 and three with a 109-94 to 94 win against the New Orleans Pelicans. They've got a, three days off now until they face the Cleveland Cavaliers here at home, which is another game they'll be heavily favored to win to go to 10-3. and three. I don't want to dwell too much on tonight. I'll give you some basic numbers. Ken, Kendrick Nunn led with 22 points, three straight games going over 20 for Kendrick after having a little bit of slump, uh, you know, sort of a reaction to his five-game start, at the, which was terrific at the beginning of the season. Bam Adebayo tonight again filled up the stat sheet. 18, 14, and 4 was a plus 7. And Jimmy Butler, 16, 8, and 13. Only four field goals made, but still a really, really good performance from Jimmy Butler. And Miami did just enough. They had three or four surges during the game every time New Orleans got close. But again, don't want to make too much of a game where there was no Zion Williamson, no Josh Hart, no Brandon Ingram, no J.J. Redick. So you're talking about four of the top six players on the New Orleans Pelicans were not playing. But as we've said, the Miami Heat lost these games the past couple of years, and they've won all these games this year, and they're now 5-0 and at home. But what we're going to do today is... And there's no preparation for this. Okay, this is we base. I sprung this on these guys when we're in the locker room. What else is new? <laughs> we've got Alex Toledo, we've got Alphonse Sidney, and we've got Zach Buckley. And I'm going to ask one simple question to each of them, and they have not consulted each other or me with their answers. 
What is the most pleasant surprise for the Miami Heat through 12 games this season? So starting off, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket, Alex Toledo. What is your most pleasant surprise? It's got to be the three-point shooting. Another night tonight where they shot well, shot 37.5% from three as a team. And the fact that they've been able to keep this up through, what is it now, 12 games? It's been kind of unbelievable. Again, it's still a short sample, so I'm still expecting some regression because I definitely did not expect them to be a top five three-point shooting team. I still think they're in the top three right now. So that's absolutely the number one thing for me right now. Even if it does regress, though, let's say, like, what's the bottom, right? It's got to be 11 or 12. I don't think it will regress too much. The fact that they are good plus three-point shooting team is a huge development because my biggest question, and I think the biggest question with them is their ceiling is based on their offense. We know that they're going to be an elite defense. They're top five in defense already. The fact that they're a good three-point shooting team is going to open it up for, you know, Jimmy, Justice, and bam, the three guys you want with the ball in their hands the most. And that's not something they've had, a balance of shooters with guys who can attack and create their own shot. They have that nice balance now and the fact that they have so many guys they can go to that are knockdown shooters now with Duncan Robinson, Myers, Tyler, you know, Kendrick Nunn has been shooting good. They've got a lot where they can go to and that's going to raise the ceiling for them if Justice and Bam could take another step forward as well. Yeah, I think the surprise of that, and you mentioned it, when we, we did our five sort of potential issues for the Heat this season, shooting was one of them. And obviously it has not been at all. And this has happened even with Jimmy Butler shooting his worst percentage from three of his career other than his rookie year where he hardly played. Barely taking any threes. Barely taking any threes. He's actually shooting his highest percentage from two that he's ever shot. But from three, it's his lowest percentage. We still aren't at the stage where Bam Adebayo is a three-point shooter. Um, and Kelly Olynyk, he was really good tonight. He was three of five, but has not been consistent from three as maybe you anticipated he might be. They've also had, again, Dragic missed a game tonight, but he's been excellent from three. But, you know, they have not – they've done some things we were just not anticipating. For instance, I mean, Myers Leonard, 0 for 2 tonight, but being the most efficient three-point shooter in the league, like nobody expected that. We mentioned Kendrick Nunn. We thought he'd be a rotation player potentially. We talked about this at the very end of the preseason. Didn't think he'd be a starter who was shooting close to 40% from three. And then Duncan Robinson, I think part of that is we just didn't think he'd get the minutes, right? So now that he's gotten the minutes, you see again tonight, three for six. So I do think it's sustainable, and I think one of the reasons it's sustainable is because they're such a good passing team. And when you're a really good passing team, you're going to set up open threes. And when you have open threes, obviously, there's a higher percentage of making those. And also, guys are getting three-point looks in their sweet spots. They, they, they don't have to bend down for the ball, okay? It's not coming off isolation. It's, a, it's coming off a pass from a teammate uh, who is drawing a defender, most likely, and creating an open crease so that a guy can get off the kind of shot that he wants to get off. So I don't think that there's going to be major regression here. I really don't. Because, again, it's a product of the offense that they're running right now. So, to me, I do buy that they're a top 10 three-point shooting team in general because of the amount of guys they have. But besides the fact that three-point shooting is the most high-variance stat there is in basketball, the other thing that's going to concern me is when Justice Winslow comes back, right? If he isn't shooting consistently with those spot-up shots like he has been the past couple of years, that's going to be an issue. Not only that, once they're healthy again and they got James Johnson and Derek Jones Jr. at the arsenal – 
they Spo's basically going to be on a night-to-night basis choosing offense-defense when it comes to those backup forward spots. Because if you're playing DJJ or you're playing James Johnson, that means you're probably not playing Duncan Robinson. Maybe Kelly's not getting as many minutes. So you're taking away so many minutes from the knockdown shooters because you're going to integrate Justice back into it, and he's going to be playing probably 30 minutes a game. So that takes away minutes from Nunn and Harrow, who have been plus shooters for you. So I think it will go down some. But as long as they can keep it as a plus in general, I think they'll be good. But hasn't that equation changed a little bit, Alex? Like, I mean, we talked about the Duncan Robinson, DJJ thing. And it's it's through no fault of his own because he's been injured. But he was injured last year, too, for parts of the season. But DJJ has kind of lost his place here a little bit, hasn't he? I mean, I, to me, he's going to be a situational player at this stage as opposed to maybe somebody we thought could be a 20-minute-a-game player. Because he provides things they don't necessarily need as much, right? I mean, he provides, you know, this defensive length. Well, they have plenty of that, right? Well, I think the thing is, I think you're right about the situational situational thing. I think Duncan's climbed over him in the ladder right now in the rotation just because of how consistent he's been as a shooter. The fact that he hasn't been getting killed on defense. He's getting some layups every game. But if you're just playing one of Derrick Jones Jr. or James Johnson, you're already taking away from the shooting. And I imagine they're going to be playing them at some points, especially with you know, the NBA prioritizing length and that type of wing defense, especially, you know, teams like the Clippers, when they're healthy, you might want to bring in at least one of those two guys. But, but look at the J.J. thing. So tonight, right, James Johnson, as far as I know, was available and didn't play anyway. And Silva got 14 minutes. Now, he's not a three-point shooter, but I, I don't know that James Johnson's going to get those minutes back. I, I thought he would. But it seems to me like, to a certain degree, this team has kind of moved on without certain guys. And now, I mean, this was a night, and we can focus on the Pelicans' injuries, which are more significant. But, I mean, we were, we're almost forgetting who the Heat don't have certain nights because they still have more talent than the other team they're facing, right? So tonight, you know, no Dragic, no Winslow, no James Johnson doesn't play, Derek Jones Jr. is still out. And then we don't even talk about Dion. I mean, that's five guys that we thought could be rotation players not playing in this game. And it's like you didn't really even miss anybody. You're like, okay. I mean, Daryl Macon gave you five sort of meaningless minutes. But, you know, the eight guys who played, of which one of them was Silva, you don't even really miss the guys who are not there. And Duncan Robinson ends up playing 31 minutes tonight. Nobody thought Duncan Robinson was going to play 31 minutes in games before this year. So I, I understand what you're saying. If J.J. or D.J.J. are going to play, then Duncan's minutes get cut, so it's a good three-point shooter off the and floor. Justice. And Justice is going to play, obviously, and you mentioned with none in Hero. Although, I, you know, look, Justice was, the th- I, we keep saying this, 38% three-point shooter for two straight years. I, he didn't look like it early this season. His shots are going to come from different places, so that's something to watch. But I, I don't see major, major regression. I think the Heat have had teams recently where, to me, it looked like, okay, if Wayne Ellington was not playing – and then it was like, where are they going to get their shooting from, right? And Dwayne Wade was going to be soaking up 32 minutes at his age and not improving as a three-point shooter. Then you weren't going to be able to get Ellington or others on the floor, maybe even Magruder, who were better three-point shooters. This year, I think there's enough guys. And as long as Leonard is playing those minutes in, you know, in the starting lineup, as long as you have Hero playing or none playing or Robinson playing, it strikes me that there is enough shooting there. Now, I think Jimmy, this, we've got to talk about Jimmy in this regard, too. Jimmy's got to get to 30%. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's at 22%. I mean, he had one three that looked good tonight, which kind of turned the tide when that game the game was starting to get tight. But I, I'm, I'm never anticipating Jimmy Butler's going to be a 40% three-point shooter. But let's get in the 30s, right? And then, you know, that number starts to go up a little bit before we even see what happens with Bam. But uh, one more thing before I let you go, Alex. So we, we talk about, you know... 
the shooting being a big surprise on the upside. Has there been for you, quickly, one thing on the downside? Has there been something that has not been as good as you anticipated? That's actually a tough question to answer because the fact that they've been so good on defense. I thought that there could be some slippage there, especially without DJJ and James Johnson and, you know, this missed time from Justice and Dion, who were expected to be plus defenders. I thought there could be some slippage there, but they've been comfortably top five, top six all season. But as far as downsides go, I would it's just the injuries, man. They keep getting the injury bug every year, and it's kind of annoying. Even though the fact that they've got 13 guys they can play, if you're counting Dion, uh, it's kind of saving them at the moment, and their development program has just been phenomenal. They have four guys out there that were on the summer league team playing in the rotation right now. It's insane. So I would only say the injuries are the downside right now. Maybe the other one I would say is finishing at the rim. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I know. I think finishing the rim is something that's got to get better from a few guys. I mean, we, we talked about justice in regard to that. Bam uh, has made some improvements in that regard. <laughs> Bam has been better of late. I think Myers has been a little bit better of late. Um, I've been impressed. One thing that's impressed Myers me about Duncan. shooting more, I'm just going to say. Uh, I, no, I, I agree with you on that. But one thing that surprised me a little bit about Duncan has been you know, his ability to sort of shake uh, the shot fakes and then put the ball on the deck and get get to the basket. Like he the, the right he, read. He's, yeah. He makes the right read, and you know he's not, again, I don't want to say sneaky fast, because uh, he's not, but I, I, he gets there, right? He doesn't, like, to me, what's separating Duncan Robinson from, say, uh, uh, James Jones is that J.J. could not, that J.J., uh, could, could not put the ball on the floor, right? Like, J.J. would go entire halves of a season without a two-point basket. Couldn't move on defense could, could right so Duncan is 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 actually kind of an upgraded James Jones in that regard I don't know that he's quite as good a shooter but but he's an upgraded James Jones but I, look I, as far as downsides I, we mentioned injuries there's no question about it it's frustrating obviously JJ and, and Dion not getting into shape and and doing the things they want him to do is frustrating but then again I look at the Pelicans stat sheet here and I mentioned some of the guys that were out Zion Hart Ingram Reddick I didn't even include Lonzo Ball and Jaleel Okafor I mean that again that's six of their top eight so The Heat have had injuries, but other teams have had significant injuries, too. Let's look at the Warriors. (laughs) You know, so they're not in the worst possible situation. That's that's the cost of a dynasty, man. We saw it here. Yeah, no, it is. No no doubt about it. All right. You get the come down. That's right. So that's Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. I'm going to bring – who am I bringing in next? We're bringing in Alf. We're bringing in Zach. We're bringing Alf next. All right, so we're going to have Alf954 in here next. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is the Gold Club in Papano. I mentioned that we're having a watch party November 27th for Heat at Rockets. Well, we're going to have one for Heat at Celtics the next week on the 4th of December at the new Gold Club that's in Papano Beach. They've got a kitchen open uh, every day. They're open every day from 11 to 2 a.m. And here's the thing. It's not just a gentleman's club. It's also for ladies. No charge for women all night long, every single day. Also, they got something called $5 You Call It Monday, where basically you spend five bucks and that's what you get on every drink the entire night. Uh, whatever it is that you want to drink that evening. So it's in Pompano Beach. It's the new Gold Club. And we're going to be there. I think we're all probably going to be podcasting from the stage. So you can watch us instead of something else. Uh, December 4th, Heat at Boston. Right back with Alphonse Sydney. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on the Five on the Floor podcast from American Airlines Arena after the Heat beat the Pelicans to go to 9-3. and three. So we just had Alex Toledo at Tropical Blanket. Now we're going to bring in Alf954. That's Alphonse Sidney. And again, didn't prep for this. You don't know what Alex's was, so I'll tell you after you're finished with this. What is the most pleasant development for the Heat through the first 12 games? 
I actually just tweeted it. For me, it's the chemistry. Um, we see these guys in the locker room before and after games. They really genuinely like each other. Um, so it's really been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch them grow. And then it's translating to the court when you watch Jimmy and Bam especially. Those, those are the two that I've seen the most where the, the, the clowning around, the joking after games, you see it on the court as well. You see how, how they get along. The, the interior passing from Jimmy to Bam, they just work off of each other so well and defensively. So I really can't wait to see Justice back with this group. But for, for right now, yeah, for me it's the chemistry, the fact that this team is not just fun to watch on the court. They're fun off the court, and they're gelling, and it's, it's coming together. Well, I think part of it is we've given Jimmy a lot of credit for this, and, and he deserves it. I, I think the way he came in, the early morning workouts, whether it was all legitimate or not, it was still something that other players could take a lead from, or at least the attitude that he was putting out there. But And obviously the unselfishness on the court, which it, the confidence he's shown in his teammates. And you and I talked about that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Way back, you know, the working out with Tyler Hero in the off season, you know, and how that kind of came about. The you know sending Bam a birthday message, okay, when they didn't really know each other yet. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn, he's taken under his wing a little bit. I mean, all of these things he's done. The chemistry he has with Dragic, which is is something that I've watched in the locker room a, a little bit too. So all of that is part of it, and I think Jimmy wanted to prove a point after previous places he's been that he could be that kind of teammate, but. But I'm, I'm, the other thing about it we don't talk enough about is Bam's personality, I think, lends itself to that. It's his unselfishness on the court, his willingness to put out consistent effort. But also, I, I've kind of called him a non-toxic Dwight Howard. He, he, look, he looks like Dwight. He's playful like Dwight. But none of it's negative. Like with yeah. Dwight, it always comes with this little sour taste to it. And an immaturity. An immaturity that never really changed over the years. Now, maybe it is in L.A. now, although I feel like we say that all the time. Like, oh, Dwight's turned the corner in Charlotte. Dwight's turned the corner in Houston. Dwight's turned the corner in Atlanta. And then he hasn't. Then the honeymoon's over. But, but with Bam, like, he's just always positive. And I, and I think that interaction the other day where they were interrupting each other's interviews and and Jimmy was like, what, Bam? And it's just like, I mean, it, you know, it's like almost like this little brother. And that's the way he's treated all of them. But it is, it's the confidence they show in each other that I think is because of the work, you know, that they're doing in practice, the workouts that they did even before training camp started. I asked Tyler Hero today. Tyler keeps doing this thing where he runs back down the court before his teammates even release the ball. He, mm-hmm. he did it with Myers Leonard. He did after ball movement. It's like Tyler's thing is he wants to celebrate. And then today, tonight, Duncan Robinson ended the third quarter, that run where the Heat opened up that lead. And Tyler turned around before Duncan even released it. And I asked Tyler about it tonight. He says, well, I know it's in. 
Yeah. So, like, why is he going to stay there and wait for it? And, and I just think that's the kind of chemistry that they've already established with each other. And it's just funny when when you think about what was a read on Jimmy coming in, not a team guy, selfish, uh, just wants to be the man, wants to score a bunch of points on a bad team. None of that has materialized, not even close. We were talking about this during the game. There's only been one 30-point score for the Heat this year. Jimmy did it one time. No one else has gotten 30. They're constantly having five, six, seven guys in double figures with the leading score of 23, 24 points. So they spread the ball around. We've noted, I don't know how many times we can keep talking about the passing. Tonight it was 25 assists on 46 field goals or something like that. Uh, 24 assists on 44 field goals. Something like that. Anyway, um, they're passing the ball. They're sharing the ball. Completely unselfish to the point that sometimes when we're sitting there watching the game together, we are pointing out how many times they're passing up open shots to get a better shot. Even layups. Even layups. Layups. Sometimes it's not getting a better shot. Sometimes they're a little bit too unselfish. Um, I I think that's been a reason for some of the turnovers, Alf. Like uh, tonight, again, 21 turnovers. That's been their biggest bugaboo this whole year has been the turnovers, and that's problematic in the playoffs. And some of that is overpassing. Some, some of it is they're all sort of trying to please each other. It's, it's almost this game that they, you know, whereas on some teams it's who's going to be the leading scorer, right? Here it's like who isn't going to be the leading scorer. And, and I feel like Kendrick Nunn has led this, I think he's led the team in scoring the most times. Even on nights he hasn't been the best player on the floor. Because Kendrick Nunn doesn't have the unselfish problem. <laughs> Kendrick Nunn wants to score the ball. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is a scorer, scorer. Like, that's what he wants to do. So he doesn't necessarily have those the same qualms with passing out of a, out of an open layup. Um, he will dribble right into the defense half the time. And, I mean, he's, and he had another great game. But just overall, that's you asked me what I really what – what, what's pleasantly surprised me. It's just that. And I think – I said it after watching Jimmy in preseason, the way that he deferred to his teammates. I said, I don't know if Jimmy's going to average over 20 points this year. No, he's not. Um, but if he does, if he's 19, 10, and 7, yeah, I'll take that all day long, right? So it's, I know a lot of people wanted, wanted to see 2008, 2009 Dwayne Wade in here. That's not going to happen. But what is happening, you're getting a guy with, with just a complete all-around effort every single night, defensively, offensively, passing, rebounding, steals, another steal, breakaway dunk. I mean, there needs to be a stat on that. Who leads the league? And it has to be Jimmy Butler. Well, yeah, I mean, the quickest hands you know, I've seen in a Heat uniform. I think the other thing on this, too, as you look forward to the future, and we'll close here with Alf and bring in Zach, <laughs> the other thing when you look at it is you say, okay, if they end up getting another star, and people were wondering, like, how, would Jimmy be okay not being the number one? I think it's pretty clear he's okay not being the number one. Everything he has said and done since he's come here has been to defer from that. Like, even the question I asked him about about that in training camp where he, he basically said, you know, he's basically denied being a star. You know, it's it's funny. He bounces back and forth on this. It's like if you ask him one way, he's going to – other guys who've, who've, who've covered him before said he's like this, where if you call him a star, he's going to say he's not. But then he does the Yahoo interview. He says, you know, these MFers forgot that I could play basketball. Yeah. So I, it's a little bit both ways. But I, I don't think how I don't think you have any issue with how he's conducted himself so far. And I, I still think you know fans are waiting for more breakouts like the Phoenix game. I think those are going to be few and far between. I think they will come at times, but mostly Eric Spolster just wants Jimmy Butler to make the right plays in the fourth quarter. 
and he's done that. All right, that's ALF954. We're going to bring in Zach Buckley next, but first I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at OneCallLegal.com. That's OneCallLegal.com. They handle cases from all over the state, and they have somebody there 24 hours a day. I keep getting calls from people who want to work with them, and then they end up being really pleased by the experience. So, again, it's OneCallLegal.com. They handle immigration. They handle traffic. They handle personal injury and much much more. That's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm based in North Miami. All right. Welcome back to the Five on the Floor podcast here at American Airlines Arena after the Heat beat the Pelicans 109 to 94 to go to nine and three on the season. Next game is against Cleveland on Wednesday night, and we'll be here for that. Now we're going to welcome in Zach Buckley. You can find him at Z Buckley NBA on Twitter, also on our website, writes a new column for us. What was it called? The Morning Report? Is that right? Edition. The Morning Edition. Of course, they've got a U in there instead of uh, this, the usual M-O-R. And I and I can't spell. It's too damn late. Anyway, uh, also follow Nikias Duncan on our website. He's got the launching pad. And then uh, the uh, what, is, what is Leif calling his column now? It's It's the Guts? Guts check. Guts check. That's right. Um, Greg Sylvander has got a column on our website every Tuesday, and I might get around to writing at some point. But I've asked this question to Alf and to Alex. Now I'm going to ask you. You don't know what their answers are. I don't know what your answer is. What has been the most pleasant surprise for you through 12 games this season, Zach? I think it's got to be just the overall chemistry, how quickly they've come together, and and how everyone seems like they've plugged into the right roles. there's, you know, I was looking, there's three guys from, from the top nine last year in terms of minutes per game played that are in the rotation right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much turnover. You're looking at, you know, Nunn's a rookie, Hero's a rookie, Duncan Robinson might as well be a rookie. You've got first-time starters all over the place. Just this seems like a team that should be clunky right now. It, it, the, the, the offensive pieces are a little, you know, interesting to put together. They don't necessarily make sense to us on paper at least they didn't coming into the season so when you see what they're doing in terms of you know second and assist percentage second most points off of cuts third most points on dribble handoffs it's almost like the more guys that you get involved the better this offense gets that's something i would expect from a team with a lot of veterans and a lot of guys who have played together for a long time and <laughs> that's absolutely not the case so so who gets the credit for that because one of the complaints that i've had the past couple of years is that Pat Riley put together a roster that didn't make sense. It was almost impossible for Eric Spolster to coach. He had duplication at the two-guard position. They had a bunch of bigs they had to play. He had certain guys that were making big money, and so you had to put them on the court. And they finally got to the stage at this point where they were able to dump two of them and Tyler Johnson and Whiteside and basically banish the other two and Deion Waiters and James Johnson. But to me, it was an impossible roster, and Spolster looked frustrated. I mean, you talk to people inside the organization, they were like, he's not himself. And I don't think it was anything personal. I just think it was this roster that he had to actually coach. And now you have a roster that was put together in a different way. I thought that it actually got cleaned out where there are going to be fewer guys to play. And that hasn't been the case because of the way that Nunn and Hero have shown up, the way that Silva has played, totally unexpected. So who deserves the credit for this? I mean, I, I mean, a lot of it's the players – but how much of it is Spolstra? I mean, if, if they, I mean, he's got a new group together. They look like not an elite offensive team, but a damn good offensive team that moves the ball well. They're already solid defensively, which we anticipated, but that's without Justice and without Jimmy for certain games. Who's, who is number one in terms of credit for this? I think number one has to be Spolstra. Um, figuring out how these pieces were going to fit and sort of just doing that, that chess match um, you, you just have to start there. I think 
you know, I don't know how much of this necessarily would would fit Pat Riley's vision. You know, if he was, if you got him with the truth serum and said, you know, hey, did you see all these pieces lining up? Uh, I'm sure there was a vision there. You know, we obviously know it was going to be a lot of multiples, a lot of versatility, that kind of thing. But when you've got so many guys who, who are just capable in, in a lot of different areas, I think it's hard for somebody to figure out, you know, where's that specialty, what's that niche, and how can I put that guy in that place? So I'd put Spolstra first for just figuring out the puzzle, and then I think you got to look right at Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and just how he's leading this team. Uh, I wrote this down. This is a career high in assists for him in terms of average. This is the second fewest minutes he's ever averaged as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't seen this, this approach for him before, and it's almost like he knew, you know, maybe he just looked at, at the youth and, and maybe the inexperience on this team and thought, hey, I've got to build these guys up, and that's what's behind the approach. But he's playing a different game, and it's caught on, and it's contagious for everyone else. Yeah, I, I don't think people around the NBA knew he was capable of this game. I, this is not something that you talked about with Jimmy Butler. I mean, you hear about the clutch scoring, the defense you anticipated, but this playmaking, and it is what when we had Eric Spolster on the podcast on Media Day, it's what he talked about the most was the playmaking. And I think you're like, okay, I mean, you know, look, he coached LeBron James, he coached Dwayne Wade, he knows pretty damn good playmakers, he's seen them before, but you didn't know that Jimmy was going to be doing this at this stage. I, honestly, I didn't know he had this in him. I, I really didn't. It's not, when I pictured Jimmy Butler's game, it was not that. You knew he didn't have the high usage rate like some of the, the big stars, but but not that he would have the high playmaking, you know, sort of acumen that he's had, the ability to read other guys. There was a pass tonight where Bam flashed to the rim, open in a second and there was nobody around him but Jimmy then basically with with a uh, fireball the jump pass to him for the dunk and again it's that awareness that reading and look we got spoiled with LeBron and Dwayne particularly LeBron but both of them in terms of the way that they could read the game and read the floor uh but this guy is not at that level but he's at a lot higher level uh, than than I anticipated. So let's close here, Zach, because I'm, I'm with you on this. I think what you've covered is something a little different than what Alf covered, which is Alf is covering kind of the chemistry off the floor, which is fed into the stuff on the floor, but you're talking more about sort of how the roles, the pieces have all fit. So if that's the case, as they start to get more bodies back, and like Deion Waiters was at Syracuse today. I don't know what happens there. But James Johnson seems to be available. I don't really know. Derek Jones Jr. is going to be available at some stage. I mean, it was a hip strain, then it was an illness. Dragic is obviously going to go back to his six-man role. Silva, I reported this today that uh, basically, you know, don't worry about Chris Silva because they're going to end up signing him to a contract. They'll get further and further under the hard cap as the season progresses. And so by the time he gets to his 45 service days, they'll be able to offer him a full contract. So they're going to sign Chris Silva. He's not going anywhere. But we've mentioned Duncan Robinson. I was talking to Alex and Alf about him. How does Eric Spolster, now you've got unselfish players, but everybody wants to play, right? We saw that with Dion. If you've got 12 or 13 playable players, most teams only play eight or nine in the playoffs. Even Eric, that's traditionally been what he's done, seven to nine, somewhere in there, play the big minutes. How do you continue to get the roles to fit when there are so many players for those roles? That's, that's the million-dollar question. And I, I, I think some of this will probably be matchup dependent, and I think we've talked about that before. Um, the, the front court is so different in terms of what each of those guys bring, uh, and I think their style of play – is going to be so important for figuring out how those minutes break down because there's there's obviously different bigs around the leagues you know the big burly guys are going to require this you know the, the stretch forward is going to require this uh the hyper athlete's going to require this so 
I think that part is going to be maybe not crazy to figure out, maybe not too difficult to figure out. But like you said, how do you keep everyone on board when, you know, hey, we don't need you tonight? Right. And, and that's what Spo has talked about. You know, he always preaches guys celebrating each other's success. Mm-hmm. Can you get everyone on board? Can you get them to buy into that idea? Because um, that's going to be the ultimate thing that, that takes this team to the next level. Like, like you said, you, you, you can't play everyone. Mm-hmm. You can't play them every night. Uh, there, there's not enough spots. There's not enough minutes. Uh, and it's only going to shrink uh, when you get to the postseason. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a funny that we all kind of, or at least two of us hit on chemistry is the big mm-hmm. thing because I think going forward that that's the, that's the secret to, to how this all works. Well, I think we're all been surprised at how good it's been, frankly. I mean, I, I thought I said repeatedly Eric Spolcher with an uncluttered roster and with guys who are hungry, who have sort of their own personal motivations but seem to like each other, it's a perfect formula. It has played out that way so far, but it's 12 games into the season, and they've had some gimme games. And they've they played some tough opponents. We've mentioned Denver. Obviously, that was a tough one. Milwaukee on the road, uh, you know, the Laker game on the road, particularly where that came at the end of that road trip. They've had some difficult games, but they've also had a Cleveland. They had this one against a really beaten-up New Orleans team. Uh, Atlanta didn't have Trey Young in the second night of a back-to-back. I mean, so they've caught some breaks. But they've also played, and they've also made their own breaks too. So that's Zach Buckley. You can follow him at Z Buckley NBA. Follow Alf Nine Five Four, Ethan J Skolnick, Tropical Blanket, and the rest of the five on the floor team. Check out FiveReasonSports.com for regular columns, and also the other podcasts in our network. Three yards per carry, Five Rings, Canes, Balls, Cast, Light Skin Opinions, Fantasy on Five. They always get upset if I forget to mention them, um, and uh, and somebody I'm forgetting. I, I don't know. Anyway. Have a great. I already mentioned you. Have a great night. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.